Well, hello again, and welcome to the season's 15th installment of Rinky Dinking, the podcast presented by Duncan. We're a little delayed this week as the Stars and Wings played back-to-back Monday, Tuesday. But the whole gang is here. One is up in Michigan, another's from Michigan, and then there's me. <laughs> How's that for an intro? <laughs> Uh, Totsi, you're up there putting it all together. Uh, on the road, you're going to spend basically the next, uh, what, one, two, three, like, month, three weeks at least, <laughs> right, on the road? Yep, yep, just arrived in Detroit. Yep, well, lucky you. And Mike? There's Mike. Hey. Uh, I thought we would start this week, since Monday marked the 82nd regular season game, that Rick Bonus was at the wheel as head coach, a full season. Remember those, Mike? I do. Remember full seasons? It's been yeah, a while. Back in the day. Yeah. Are they going to play a full season next year? Are they going to play 82 games? They actually made the announcement today that the season is scheduled to start on October 12th, which is with about 82 a week, games. With 82 games. It's about yeah. a week late, but yeah, that's their plan. Isn't it just bizarre that? We've played like basically 69, 70 games last year. It'll be 56 or 57 if you're the Dallas Stars because they've played so much overtime. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, Bones hit the 82-game mark in the regular season. Obviously, the game's in the bubble along with it. So the gravel-voiced, vet-driving 66-year-old who's going on 46 uh, has, has been at the helm for a full season. And he had uh, really no interest in going down any kind of memory lane <laughs> with it when I mentioned it the other morning. <laughs> He's just like, yeah. I mean, can you imagine the stuff that's gone on in those 82 games? It's, it's no normal it's, 82 no, games. It's and he doesn't. He even said the other day, he goes, you know, I don't like distractions. I'm going like, well, you got a few of them. Oh, my God, it's nothing but distractions over I know, and that's over. what he said. And he, he's funny because he says that stuff about writing things in pencil and all that. And, and you know, I, I think the one that really got to him was the uh, false positive because he's like, seriously, really? I don't even have COVID, yet I still have to quarantine and go through yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it's just it's one thing after another. Yes, it is. Doesn't he? I've said this before. Does he not remind you of Pete Carroll? And, yes. and really, the circumstance reminds me of that, right? With yeah. Pete Carroll, uh, who now coaches in Seattle, uh, he was in New England. It didn't go well, right? Mm-hmm. And then at USC, and it, it was brief, correct? Yep. And and then he goes to Seattle and the Legion of Boom, and it just feels like a glove fit. Like, I can't remember any other human that coached uh, the Seahawks other than him. <laughs> He, he seemed he seemed to be like in lockstep with what they were doing there for a long yeah, time. I don't know where it is now, but right, they uh, embraced just, him too. Yeah, but it, I think the fact that he's a extremely young, what's he seventy something, right? Something, yeah, it's early seventy. I think he's like seventy two. But I mean, he runs around, and chews his gum, and acts like he, you know, is just out of a frat or something on the sideline of their games. And I'm not saying Bones is that way, but Bones no. seems really young. Yes. For, it's a, yeah, that the, is the, a young 66. Yeah. One, the vet helps a lot. And two, <laughs> he, 
He's a good looking guy. He, he has he keeps up with fashion. His hair's all there. Yeah, it keeps mean, a little flow. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the he's got the Scotch voice going. Yeah, so, he's he's still got playa in him. Right? Yeah, I think he he really does. Like I, I you know, like I've always said the last time about you know I want to be driving the new Corvette when I'm 66. I, yeah, I just want to be looking like Rick Bonus, hanging out like that. He's a he's in good shape. He seems to be able to handle all the things that yeah, are thrown runs at all him the time. A, and that. yeah, yeah. So so what guy. do you think the impact has been? Uh, or, or impact's probably not the best way to phrase it more the uh, stamp that he's put on this team first i'm going to apologize for being too much of a homer uh but i honestly in my heart believe he is the key to all this um he has a relationship with the players that i think is incredible and i think if you look at the bubble and you look at some of the stuff that totes filmed last year his ability to care genuinely about what each player is doing and understand what each player is doing. Cause he wasn't, you know, a, a great player. He understands uh, the guys at the bottom of the roster yet at the same point in time, he's worked with so many great players that he understands the, the guys at the top of the roster. And I, like I said, I, I don't want to sound and gush too much about him, but I really truly believe that he genuinely cares about each and every player. And he, he doesn't even try to push buttons and yet he pushes buttons. And so because of that, I do believe he played a huge role in them getting to the Stanley cup final. And if they can make it into the playoffs, I think this is a very dangerous team in large part because Rick bonus is there. That yeah, too gushy. I, yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm concerned about you after that. Uh, it's a little cool. total back me up on this. He saw him in the bubble. I'm curious. No, I, did, I know. Did he, you just find out that like Bones listens to the podcast or something? <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to email this to Bones on the road? Right. Uh, after you yell your questions at him on I Zoom? I know I do. I'm sorry about that. At least you, you yell questions, though. Yeah. Instead of just And, and he does hear them. He rarely says to me, I, I didn't hear that one. <laughs> yeah. No, he says, Mike, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I agree with all that. I, I've said from the beginning that he some guys come along and maybe they didn't have great uh times elsewhere or their track record it isn't terrific but they fall into somewhere where it just fits and it works and that that feels like what it has been here where it, it came out of left field obviously with the firing of of monty and I, I can remember that day. I'd sit in my little room there at American Airlines Center, and he, you know, he comes skipping by in the afternoon on the way in early, stops by the room for a second to have a chat, and he's like, "Well, what do you think?" And I told him then that I, I think you'll do awesome. I, I don't think this thing will miss a beat. And sure enough, it really hasn't, and didn't. It, it went, went on a pretty good little run, and then it, it hit some snags. But then what it did in the bubble erased everything. And how they've navigated this year, uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, it, he just feels like he's the head coach of the Dallas Stars. And they Damn. are, in a lot of ways, a reflection of him. The, as far as tactically is concerned, he, he did the neat trick of expanding the offense a little bit without sacrificing stingy defending, which he obviously believes in. I mean, he's a, a career coach of mostly – defense cores and penalty killing it's that's been uh his 
his sort of go-to or his area of expertise. And, you know, sometimes we've seen in past around here where somebody wants to go uh, giddy up, hit the riding crop, and let's score lots of goals, man, because chicks dig goals. And they forget all about their own net. And basically, if you got great heroic goaltending, you had a chance to win. If you had just good goaltending, you're probably going to score a lot of goals, but you're going to lose more often than you win. Uh, so they, it's not a big jump in offense, but it, it doesn't need to be that much to be a lot in today's game. I think they were averaging like 2.48, 2.5 goals uh, per game in the 82 games prior to him taking over. And they've scored pretty close to 2.7 goals per game. And you look at that and you're like, well, what the hell is point, you know, point two? Uh, it's, that's significant when you stretch it over 82 games. And then you couple that with the fact that heading into last night, they were fourth in the league in goals against still. And that, that's their, that, that's their core. The, the, the core of this group is their defense core. And that kind of fits his world too. And uh, they, they are, they're their transition. They're their core. They're their heartbeat. They're their pistons. When they, are part of the attack, which he made them a bigger part of the attack when he had his little mini camp prior to the bubble. They're a better offensive team because of that. And defensively, that that group is a, a terrific, uh, pretty close to their prime, right? If you look at them for the moment. I mean, Miro's got a ways to go, but I don't know. How, how much better is Miro going to get in the next four years than he is right now? <laughs> And the rest of them are right in their in their career primes. They're you know just this side of thirty. Yeah, I talked about Rick and, and John Stevens earlier, just about the group of defensemen, and and uh, they were he they were very complimentary of the ability of all of them. You know, Essa and and Jamie to be able to play offensively. And then John and Miro to be able to play defensively if need, and so they they love that combination because it does fit what they do. And it, John coached some great defensemen in L.A. and and Rick's coached some great in Tampa and, and Vancouver. And and they said, you know, this is about as good a group as they've ha- been able to run. And you know, they're just they're very excited about the the ability of all four of them, and and even the you know the third pairing to to play two way hockey. And that's, you know, that's what they have to do. And you're right. I mean, it it all flows from the group of defensemen. I know the forwards, you know, can be talented and can play, make some really nice plays. But the fact that this team can outshoot somebody 29 to 22 or whatever, as boring as that sounds, on a pretty regular basis is because those defensemen can get the puck and move it up to the neutral zone and get it into the offensive zone. True. Said it many times, man. You can have all the sports cars you want, but if, if that gas tank doesn't reach or the, or the uh, the pump, you if you can't put the fuel in the uh, Ferraris, there's no point. And yeah. they they have this wonderful little group back there that gets them out of trouble in their own zone in a hurry. You watch some other teams struggle with that, and you can see how they can't get going offensively and they wear down defensively in their own end because they don't have what the stars have. It's a bit of a bit of a luxury, especially the top four. And they, until last night, had been healthy all year. That was the first night yeah. outside of Klingberg's uh, baby being born 
that the top four were not available. Miro had the night off. So uh, the overall record for Bones is kind of weird. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't look that it's again, this fits so perfectly, though, doesn't it? Like it, 38 wins and a combination of 44 losses of, you know, losses, overtime losses, shootout losses, however you want to tabulate those, right? So it feel it's it's a little bit over 500. If you look at it on a win percentage, he has like the fourth best uh, win percentage of any coach in franchise history here. Uh, now, Tippett and, and uh, Hitch are way up there in the 600s, uh, but then there's Monty just above him, and then there's there's Bones, and then underneath him there's uh, Lindy Ruff. And it's just the way the... the the game is now that you know it you can tabulate it any way you want <laughs> that that's how it that's how it unfolds right and then and then yeah. if you take that and it's bifurcated so his record is sort of bifurcated by a run to the stanley cup final <laughs> so all of those numbers whatever happened in the regular season and reasons why uh numbers are what they are they played in the stanley cup final there were two wins from winning it so there you go yeah, I think that's a sample size on how you have to look at it. First, he takes over a team that, you know, had a really weird coaching change. I mean, it just was weird. So now you they have to take They were having a weird that. year anyway, though, Mike. Well, I know, but last year, I'm saying. And I know, they were that, having a weird ended, year. They oh, would yeah. win 10 in a row, and they would <laughs> yeah. lose 9 in a row. It was, like, it it was, was, an, it was an all odd. over the map. Right, so then he has to take over that. Then he makes those changes, him and the coaching staff. They go to the Stanley Cup final. Then he comes back this year, and they're missing players all over the place. You know, in addition to the COVID, in addition to the winter storm, you know, they're miss- missing Ben Bishop and Tyler Sagan and Alexander Radulov and Stephen Johns and even Yoel Kiviranta, who could probably be a help at this point in time. I mean, they've had to deal with all of that. So when you look at the record and you look at how he's gotten to this place and how he continues to keep them in the mix – it's. I think it's a pretty good coaching job. I, you know, both last year and this year. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Just on the 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 point that they've had to navigate so much stuff, and this league now seems to be more about just get yourself in. Who yeah. knows what can happen when you get in? Because I mean, last year they they were spiraling to where they might not have made the playoffs. And then yeah. COVID hits. Then they get their act back together. Then what happened happened in Edmonton. Then they come into this year, they get buckled with uh, COVID at the beginning and then weather and injuries and, and uh, uh, surgeries and, and everything else. And here they are, a point back, and uh, they're going to go on the road again. Another thing thrown at them, right? The catching up in games away from home, basically, for the rest of the way. And if they get in, they're going to get in on the march, like Spartans in, <laughs> in Sparta in 300 or something. It, I was looking at I was looking at the schedule, and if they do get in, there's an interesting you know confluence there of they may have played Carolina and Tampa and Florida in some pretty big games to get there. So if they're playing one of those teams, it really could you know they could be full of confidence at that point in time if they hit their stride and if they play those teams well. Yeah, yeah, I I think you can build up belief. We'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, here. don't don't. I'm read sorry, ahead jumping, in today's program, ahead. Mike, again. Uh, <laughs> I was alluding to the gods when I was speaking of Sparta. Ah. Uh, the go- you know, the hockey gods have ears, Mike. 
I appealed. I've seen it. I appealed to the hockey gods, and they listened. The Gurionov goal, the Klingberg goal against the Columbus Blue Jackets. We had not seen any of that puck luck prior. Zero puck luck. This team had zero puck luck. And I'd had enough. So I went to the gods, because I have that relationship. And I told them, come on, please. This, this is a joke. you got to toss a bone to the Dallas Stars. They're playing hard. They deserve something. You guys need to, need to just sprinkle a little of your hockey god luck on them. And sure enough, banking them in, rattling them in off D-man, offense is flowing. There you go. Luck, of course, of course, is merely lazy math. But in this instance, uh, we're all for it. And I think they have a little of that in their game now because of me. You're welcome, Dallas Stars. <laughs> you sound like Bill Murray in uh, Caddyshack. The llama, he's a big hitter. So I said llama. <laughs> flowing. <laughs> Flowing uh, robe. Uh, okay, the rookie, uh, Jason Robertson. He, do you realize this? He's up to sixth best rookie points per game in franchise history now. For, forget about the Dallas stuff because we kind of had to do that because there's so many guys back in the day with the North Stars who were putting up big numbers when they were coming in because everybody did. Their games were 15 to 4 in that back then. But he's uh, .875 now in points per game. And that's sixth best in franchise history. Now, they got to go on the road. He's got to maintain some of this. And the, the thing that I, I found uh, striking when I was researching this, as I do, Neil Broughton is number one at 1.34 points per game. And he's not a <laughs> Hall of Famer? That's a different time back then. They t- no, they, know, changed, but, they changed him hey, into look, a defensive all those forward. Other guys, none of those other guys were were uh, like a point a game. No, they were all just just shy of that. Yeah. One point three four points per game as a rookie, and not a big one. And a lot of angry humans back then. You know, he was coming off of the eighty Olympic team and that. Uh, but uh, that, along with many other things, can't believe he's not a Hall of Famer. You. Um, it, it is funny because uh, uh, Carbo, I've, I've always had such great respect for him as a defensive forward, uh, and it took him so long to get in. But yeah, I think you can make that argument. I, I had a great conversation did. With, with Neil Broughton uh, the, the year he was here, and he was telling me about the transition from offense to defense and the way that hockey used to be played. And uh, he said when he was young, he didn't look or check where anything was, he just went after the puck. So, boom, puck pops out in the neutral zone, he's gone. And he goes, now, he says, I look both ways to see where everybody is, and then I go, and he goes, and the chance is gone. He goes, just like that. Yeah. He goes, the chances I used to get were a tick, a one stride that I had over somebody else because I didn't care where anybody was. I didn't care about my defensive responsibilities. All I wanted to do was score. And he said that that look into the left, look into the right, and your chance is gone, which I thought was really good. And, and you know, Bob Gainey was there too, I think. So mm-hmm. he beat that defensive forward mentality <laughs> into all of he his He beat players. the offense out of him. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And so, but, it, yeah, Neil Broughton was a great player. And, you know, for his size, and then all you got to do is go up to Minnesota and the fact that, 
you know, he was a, a favorite son up there and everybody yeah. loved him. Uh, yeah, people will tell great stories about Neil Broughton up there. Okay, so uh, this, this Jason Robertson is the most impactful freshie since who? Is it who or Good is it Good question. Who? How is it supposed to work again? Uh, I, I, you know, you'd almost want to say Brendan because he came in in such a big year and he played. Uh, didn't he play with Holly and, and Madonna because Yere was hurt? A little. You know, so I, I kind of remember that one. Yeah, but that was more uh, that was more an impact for who he was dating. <laughs> Certainly to ESPN come playoff time. That's it was. right. Uh, um, who else you got in, in the list? Well, it's it's tough to overlook the juice, right? Like, yes. UC Okanen was so cocksure of himself, and it was the opening year of opening up the game and overtime leading to shootouts, and he was such a magician in shootouts. And he put on a show at the bench prior to going. And when he went, he scored almost every time. So, it, and, and he played, I mean, he played a significant role within the group in games, too. It wasn't just uh, the shootouts. Uh, and, he, you know, he was averaging close to a point a game. At, what was he at, like, 0.8 something? Yeah. 0.79, 8, 8, 8, 6 or something like that. I'm making it up on the fly here. But <laughs> he, would be, he would be my pick. But th- this kid, Robertson, has done some uh, really, really impressive things uh, in, in, a, in a weird year. Like, in some ways, I, I'd struggle with whether this is more difficult or easier than a normal year. You know what I mean? Because you're yeah. playing the same teams over and over again. You'd think, okay, because that was the book back in the day, right, as a rookie. You, you make your first trip around the league. Nobody's seen you before, so you know you, you get that advantage. A little surprise! Oh my God, that he's better than I thought he was going to be at any position, whether it was goaltender or defenseman or forward. Uh, and then the second time around, they're all ready for you, and you can't get anything done. Right? They just get closed down, and you hear about the rookie wall late in the season. Well, this is a little sprint, fifty-six games against the same teams over and over again. So the. They already know all the tendencies now. They've seen him enough times, and he continues to put up two points a game. Yeah. No, it's impressive, and it's funny. Last night I looked over at Matt DeFranks and said, "You know, when when Robertson scored that goal, I said, you know, it looks easy, but how many times have we seen Dallas Stars players come walking down with a wide open shot and go high, hit the post, hit the goalie? Like he just put it in the perfect place and." confidently put it in the perfect place and there's something to be said about that especially on this team because it's such a hard scoring team that when you get a great scoring opportunity cash in just do it go score the goal dickinson last night you know he's kind of uh giving me a little jab by i'm going like so uh what makes him so good he goes well the he puts the puck in the net and i'm like yeah he does do that jason thanks for putting that up for me i know but he really does i mean it's it's as simple I'm more, as can I'm more be. impressed by his vision and his playmaking and his strength yes. on the puck at times than I am his goal scoring, which has yes. been fantastic. But uh, yeah, his strength on the puck and his yeah. ability to anticipate Sinewy. where a play is going to go, like yeah. he, you know, you always say the puck follows. Oh my him God, around. you're in love with everyone now, aren't you? I the know. Coach Look at me. It's all so we'll move on to another happy. guy here for you. Okay, uh, the new center iceman, Jamie Ben. Uh, he's okay. 
Oh my God, Ooh. Mike! You don't mean that. Don't I say that because I know you're in love with that guy. Well, I just love what's gone on since he got shifted to center. Yeah, because uh, it. I, I think it's it's made him happier and more engaged and feeling like he can give more to the group than just what he was doing. And it's helped the team, obviously, because they were at the time they were str really struggling on faceoffs. They were on the road. Where were we? Yeah, Sh uh, Chicago. I think uh, Carolina, was. somewhere along there. One of those two, but they got killed. It all, it all friggin' runs together this year. <laughs> yeah, but the uh, they had to they had to make some kind of a change because they were they were not winning faceoffs at all. And he's you know he takes a lot of draws even as a as a left winger, but having him in the middle and be able to stay in the middle and. Uh, he'd been skating well, and uh, you know he told me he enjoys the fact that he's in the fight more, yeah, in his own zone and has the puck more. Whether it it can sustain itself in the long term, he he did this for about a nine game stretch for Hitch uh, way back. I, f I forget why they they must have. I think they ran into some injuries. Probably Hansel wasn't available. He was rarely available. And they were <laughs> trying to slot something in. And he went on a little run at, at center ice then. I don't think he'd played the pivot since. And then gets thrown back in there. They, they don't lose. They're a better team. And, and they yes. look like they – I'm not going to call it, uh, you know, Madonna, <laughs> Madonna and Neuendijk back in the day where the mojo would get going – up top, but you get that bang bang going with your top two lines, especially at home where you can match them up against anything. Man, you, you got you got something going on. It's tough to handle, and I think he's sort of sort of afforded that to them. And then of course, Rope goes out of the lineup last night. Dickinson slots in. It doesn't look that much different. We'll get into Rope in a second, but you like Jamie at center too. Yeah, it, uh, the analytics community uh, of the last maybe month has been down on faceoffs. Uh, I think on NHL Network they were talking about how the Stanley Cup champions are rarely good at faceoffs. They're always a 50% team. And how important uh, they are, you mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and I disagree with that. Uh, it, during this stretch, uh, the Stars have won 58% of their faceoffs. Jamie's more than that. I think he's above 60. Oh, my God, he went on a run there where yeah, no, he was just Columbus incredible. is horrific. Yeah, right? I know. But point being is, so then... You get the puck, you put the puck where you want it to be, and all of a sudden at the end of the night, the other team has 21 shots on goal or 22 shots on goal. And I do believe there is a cause and effect in all that. Um, even if FCC goes into the offensive zone, never gets a shot on goal, you have the puck and you're in their zone for 40 seconds. And, and I think Jamie's been a big driver in that. And then the other thing is I just believe in confidence. And you start winning your face-offs and all of a sudden, hey, I, I'm – pretty good at this and you get your confidence up and now all of a sudden that just you know goes on to the next guy and then you know you become a better playmaker you become a better shooter I just believe that when you get things going in the positive direction it really can roll and I think that's what they're getting right now and I think faceoffs is a big part of that well it's a really important for your top players your top offensive players one area where it hasn't been as good is on the stars power play where they miss Tyler yeah they, have, they haven't won as many face-offs as they have in past they still have a great percentage obviously but uh, they're not they're not starting with the puck as much and that's where it's it's kind of premium uh, on yeah. special teams but with your top guys if the more face-offs they can win means the more time they spend with the puck instead of chasing it 
And that's that's what they need. That's what they love. And it does build confidence, build, builds puck confidence, as long as you don't turn it over. Right. And, uh, and they've been good at that. So uh, another center iceman, the rope. <laughs> huh? Uh, well, stay I mean, with me on Stay with me on this one. Okay. Uh, you're going to have to expand your mind a little bit. I'm, I'm not calling him Mario Lemieux, just like I'm not calling Jamie Mark Messier, okay? But he's kind of like Mario Rope in that he's – remember when Mario Lemieux was dealing with his back issues? Like, he wouldn't practice. I think he needed – well, I know he needed guys to tie his skates for him. Like, he couldn't – he could not bend over – and tie his skates to go on the ice for practice, if he ever practiced, but he rarely ever practiced, right. and for games. And then he'd go out there and boom, two points a night. <laughs> it was just like, how do you do that? And then he'd be you know, walking around like he was 90 after. It's just amazing. And you look at Rope, and whatever the ailment is, it holds him out of the lineup a lot. And then when he's in, like – there, there is no sign of any issue whatsoever, like zero. And to me, we get shots on television of Rope's eyes, and they're so wild and alive and engaged in games. Like, like that, you can see the passion coming through along with his long Thor locks that he has going. <laughs> now I'm starting to sound like you, Mike. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it, it's, it's way more visual, visually enjoyable to watch when Rope's in than when he's not. Because four or five times a game, he's going to go flying through the middle of the rink. He's only going to score once. We know that. He's not going to score multiple goals. He's got a governor on it. I'm gonna, I score one a game, that is it. And then he moves on. <laughs> uh, but the, sh- the shocker stat is that the team actually has a higher goals per game and I believe a better record when he hasn't played in the games. And that that's the most staggering statistic to me because your eyes would tell you one thing and yet the numbers tell you something else. Now, it's not a big difference, but it's still a difference. You would think, okay, when he's in, they're a much better team and that's those are the games when they scored five and six and seven, right? You're like, yeah. well, a couple of times, but they actually average more goals per game when he's been in a suit than when he's been suited up. Freaky, huh? That is weird. I, w- I would not have guessed that at all. Uh, I'm going to throw just a, a curveball at your side one. Uh, could he win the Masterton Trophy this year? Uh, like, no. Perseverance? No, no. You know, you know dedication why? Dedication to hockey? No, no. No, no. And I saw you on Twitter today, not fighting with people, but discussing <laughs> with people. Uh, you, you know why he can't? Because it's, it's an undisclosed injury. We have no mm. idea what he's dealing with. Now, Interesting. Now, if it was disclosed and you're like, oh, my God, like they're sewing his left leg on after every game. Yeah. It comes loose. It, it dislocates, <laughs> and then they have to sew it back on, and then, he, and then he can play again. Then you'd be like, oh, my God, he's going to win the Masterton. But the way it is now, we have no idea what it is. So I think it would be, I think it would be really hard for We'll for have that. to see the other candidates, but – like I've heard people throw his name out there for MVP for the Hart Trophy, just because he's <laughs> really you know yeah I've heard it again now it's odd and it wasn't even a Dallas fan it was you know uh, uh, I think it was a Toronto guy who just loves Rope and has him in fantasy or whatever uh, well, and when, just said you know if you look at what he's done I know he's yeah his numbers per game are about as good as anybody in the league 
Yeah. Well, here, here, I think my numbers are right here. So when he plays, the team has gone 14, 12, and 6. So they've won 14 and they've lost 18. They lose a ton in overtime when he doesn't yeah. play. And when he doesn't play, they're, they have a record of 4, 2, and 6. <laughs> they've only lost twice in regulation when he hasn't played. See how good he and, is? <laughs> and No, when he doesn't play. I, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, when and when he scores a goal, they're six, five, and three. That's weird, isn't it? Though, yeah, it's like it's to me, it's unbelievable because it 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 just does not seem that way when when you call the game, when you watch the game. It, but those are the numbers. I think a friend of mine said statistics are See like how bikinis. I that? Yeah, you they're do. What, they're like bikinis. Yeah, they show a lot, but they don't show everything. You're right. There Mike. you go. Who was that you, intelligent yes. person that said that? Somebody uh, from Western Canada. Well, look it. Now Andy Moak. Now that we're all pumped up, <laughs> let me tell you about Duncan. Uh, Duncan Sweet Cold Foam uh, is is perfect. It's sweet. It's cold. It's foamy. It's the perfect top to the perfect Duncan cold brew. You know that by now. Uh, if you're curious, uh, DD Perks members can go out and try a medium cold brew beverage for just $3. Three bucks, you can try it. A reminder that the Dallas Stars run on Duncan, and price and participation may vary. And we're going to change it up and vary things here now. We're going to move on to something way outside the National Hockey League norm, but we're going to bring it back home because that's what we do here, don't we, Mike? Yeah. Huh? And, and Tosi may even want to jump in on this one too. I don't know how into European footy he is. Ooh, not much. Have did you, have you followed this thing that that went down for a couple of days and then I have. apparently has gone away? Yeah, it's fascinating. Pretty hilarious. It was, it, it was fascinating. And I was listening to the hardline on the way into the game yesterday, and they were beating it down and and making the. The main point with this thing is that fans have all the power in that sport and league. And they basically told all these gazillionaires, uh, middle finger to you, you aren't taking our, our teams to a different league. No, you're not. And that was, that was the deal. So if you don't – those of you that are listening, if you don't know what, was, what they were tr trying to pull, uh, they – they were trying to get 12 of Europe's basically biggest clubs to break away from the established uh, soccer league, so Premier League or whatever over there, and form a Super League with just them. And fans went berserk. They went nuts. And now they've, they've all backed off uh, from that. And I know there have been rumblings in, in college football especially – about doing the same thing, right? But they, they do it in a little different manner, but it's kind of the same, is it not? Where yeah. they want to take all those the teams, schools, pardon me, that, that the networks want, put them all in one league, and here you go. Because they make all the money anyway for everyone else. But it's the same thing in, in the pro football world or soccer world over in Europe. Uh, and... Anyway, it was I, I found it fascinating that it came. It was like, oh my God, this is gonna happen. And it was like, no, it's not. <laughs> it was I mean, it was it was a really 
interesting insight, especially in England, into the fact that owners no longer live uh, or are from England. And so they don't really understand the traditions that the fans embrace. Probably a and good so thing. I think, the fans might have killed them yesterday. Oh, yeah. They yeah. They, they didn't understand that, yeah, we're going to make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, well, maybe not because nobody will be. And <laughs> generally speaking, the fans will always come back. But but the great thing about the premiere is that all those teams are on this little island. And, like, you literally can go drive to you know, watch the you know the Red Wings and the Avalanche play in a heated rivalry because they're just two towns over, and so the fact that you were going to break that up and break up the tradition and break up the history uh, was a bad thing, yeah. if you ask me. Well, yeah, and the, it was not going to fly with those uh, people over there. But the way I want to bring it back around is if there was an NHL Super League, if they ever ever contemplated that over here what would it consist of it'd be how really hard how how many teams would you pick and which teams would those be i mean i think so you have to pick the teams that drive six. the market yeah well Don't it's you? all about money right right the whole thing was about money so you take your original six teams there's your your history and and that so you you'd have you know the Leafs and the Rangers and Detroit and the Blackhawks and you just throw them in first right yes. so then outside of that realm let's say you wanted to get to 10 who else do you toss in there i think you got to look at the big markets you have to go LA LA i, I would agree. vegas uh, vegas i think would be a great choice i think um, you, honest to god i think you'd have to put they're going to do everything in their first five years in the Vegas Golden Knights. Yes. You know, go to the final and the, the attendance and this and that. And they'll and be part the of Super this, League. this hokey NHL Super League that we've come up with here. But, yeah, them. Uh, then do you Dallas? look at Tampa? Dallas, I think, is in there. I think Colorado might be in the conversation. And then I the think other you'd have thing- to look at Dallas for, for uh, Jewel of the South and market yeah. size. Yes. Right. I mean, we always talk about geographic footprint and pulling in fans, and yeah, that would do Mi- that down here. Minnesota, their history says so. But then, are you going to go to Vancouver or Calgary or Edmonton and say no, 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 no? no? Got, we want to make get billions of gazillions of trillions of dollars. That's yeah. the whole thing. This has got nothing to do. Well, it's got some to do with tradition, but most of it's just cash or Bitcoin. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Totsi, can what, you yep. think of another one you want to toss in? I'm thinking, yeah, it's definitely all Bitcoin-based and uh, NFTs. <laughs> and Got to make sure they're non-fungible. So <laughs> Non-fungible, <laughs> indeed. Capitals, the Washington Capitals? That's a good one. Yes. That's a good oh, marketplace. I was going yeah, to throw Tampa out there, but again, outside the fact that they're a really good team, I'm not exactly sure where they yeah, – yeah, what they pull in. If they're a 500 team, that they – they're not. They're not pulling it in. Like no. Carolina's a good team too, but right. they're not in our super league. Yeah, I think the Capitals all. need to be in there just because of, you know, their place in the world. How about the? Um, oh, the I think I you know. got it. I think we nailed it. Yeah, I think we nailed it. So you'd go. You go. L.A. Probably Vegas, just because of yep. gambling. Yep. You. You. I think Big D's in there. I really yep. do. And then. 
Washington. Washington. That that gives you to ten, along yep. with the original six. Unless you yep. want to dump someone from the original six, mm. you can't though. Rangers, no. Boston, the Leafs, the Canadians, Montreal Canadians. Yeah, I think you need that. Yeah, that, that's that's yeah. the Yankees of the NHL Damn. right there. <laughs> You're right. Mm. Taxes though. Oh, well, might have to move terrible. them. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we'll move. We'll we'll move them to like Arizona. How's that? That that'll uh, pick up a nice spot. Portland maybe. Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, fans, as we know, uh, they learned over there. Fans are partners, not transactions. <laughs> partners. I've always said right. that, Daryl. I, I like to interact with the fans. Oh, I know. I'm a man do. of the people. You very much so. Very much so. You remember the old saying about uh, about coaches and and uh, fans or media? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody said, "Yeah, the fans are cranky about this, or uh, the media they're writing about this and that." And the coach says, "Yeah, well, it's the day I start listening to fans and media, I'll be sitting with them." Yes. Bam. And I, I actually agree with you all of that. Sit, I, you do sit with the media. So. I know I do. Uh, it's so funny when you, t- you tell fan, fans. When the you tell fans, the coaches things. believe this. The coaches believe that. They kind of look down their nose, and I'm like, no, no. These are the coaches. They're the ones getting paid to make these decisions. They're the ones who work their whole careers to get to these spots. And, and again, it's a small group of the fans, but. The, some of these fans think they're smarter than the coaches, and I do disagree with that one. It, well, know, I'll the say coach this: tells me something, I believe it. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, don't do that either, though. They'll yeah. tell you what they want you to write. You know that, right? <laughs> that was Hitch. Well, they all are that way. Forget it. They they <laughs> want to They use you. You're a tool. You're a pawn. I am uh, a tool. I'll I'll say yes. Yeah, you've said that many times. I don't think <laughs> if you are, what are you? Are you more uh, a rake? Are you a rake or a hoe? <laughs> or a shovel? I think uh, you're channel, a shovel. Channel locks. They're very versatile. You can uh, do a lot of things with channel locks. Anyway, the, uh, I think way back in the day, I think fans and media had a pretty good shot at being as smart as some coaches and managers. <laughs> no, like because we all had access to the same amount of information. Yeah. Like, we really did. Like... Between our eyes and the information that was available, it was about equal. Now, you look today, the information that these coaches have that we don't have any access to, and fans certainly don't, although they have their own uh, areas that they can go to in that, but they're going to be different than the information that that coaching staffs and hockey departments and that have. They're night and day. It's night and day. It really is. So, anyway. All right, we're halfway through wingding. Uh, week and uh, how's it going? How's Wing Ding Week? I love it. Eyes? It's Michigan. Of course you do. One, Mid-ding. I like I like the history of the Red Wings. I really do. I mean, obviously, I grew up with it, but like seeing those uniforms out there last night—that's really cool. Um, oh my god! And then so two, I get to talk to my friends about how great the Dallas Stars are. So <laughs> that's been fun too. Oh my god! Do. You- do you have like red wing jammies that you wear at night before you tuck yourself in to your Dallas Stars bedding? Is that how I it do, works actually. at the yeah. Heike household? 
Stars are up two to nothing in this four straight games against the Red Wings. First time in franchise history that the Stars have played four straight games against one opponent in the regular season. They had 74 shot attempts in the first game. That's a season high. And it goes to a shootout, and they win in the shootout. So it was bizarro world night there. Uh, but it felt good, didn't it? Yes. Didn't it? Yes. And yes, uh, as much as much as Rick said he'd like to win in regulation, there there was a certain amount of boost to saying, "Hey, look, those shootouts don't bother us anymore. We can win those." Well, it's nice that they won it. It's not going to help if they're tied at the end of the year because they go to Rose still, don't they? Right. Yeah. Regulation well, technically, RWs now. Uh, well, so not even okay. O's. Not even so Rose. It's just regulation wins now. It's okay. a first tiebreaker. Well, thank, that's good information, Mike. Thanks for that. There you that. go. Uh, three <laughs> Cobb in the first period the second night, and it was nighty night. Uh, yeah. That was it. They were toast. They were terrible, by the way. That Detroit defense was embarrassing in the first period, and the Stars just just slapped them around. That was a mauling. <laughs> uh, a bit of a depleted roster. They, they have some guys that their give-a-poop meter isn't exactly moving the needle right now, too. Uh, when you watch the way that <laughs> some of them go about their business. Better than than what we saw from Columbus in some individuals, but in that same realm. Uh, they'll. I'm interested to see what they play like at home as opposed to on the road. And they'd had a good run on the road and maybe just too much road for them and they needed to get back home. We'll, we'll see here on these next couple of games up in, in Little Caesar World. Uh, but the Stars won on back-to-back nights in their uh, Spearmint hazmats. Did you notice that, Mike? I did notice there was something strange about those uniforms. Did you know, Mike, that the Stars went 2-0-1 in the Spearmint hazmats, in the Ghost of 99s, in the old reverse retros? Yeah. Now, wasn't it, wasn't it back in 99 or 2000 where they uh, pulled their alternate jerseys and said, hey, we're going to wear these in the playoffs? We yeah. could see that. We could see the spearmint hazmat. I don't think they're allowed to do that, but I, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I had I had a theory on it too, which I'm sure I'm just completely off course with. But I, I do believe that there's a little bit of camo involved when they wear the the spearmint hazmats out there. That's how I, Jason I, Robertson I, got so open. Nobody I, even knew. I, I don't. I don't. Th- yeah, I don't think the opposition. <laughs> I don't think it's as clear cut where all the Dallas Stars are in the attacking zone. That's just my own thing. White eyes, like a, white boards, all that yeah. stuff. It's like a polar bear hunt down there. Anyway, <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to say that. It's not politically correct. So the road beckons, right? Yes. Uh, like, a, like a siren on a rocky outcropping. The road beckons the Dallas Stars. Uh, stars on the road. Last year, after Bones took over, they went 12-5-3. Do you remember that? I don't, but that's a great stat. It is. It's an outstanding stat by me. Uh, by the way, half of those 12 wins were in overtime. That was, that was when they were crushing it past 60. Uh, this year, they're 7, 8, and 4 with one win in overtime. So that puts them at 19, 13, and 7 away in that uh, 80, now 83-game time span-ish. That's that's a decent road record. That's that's yes. a good run right there. Yep. And I would say if they pick up points at about that same clip, uh, whatever that percentage is, I didn't want to do the math because I'm lazy. 
<laughs> uh, but you can do it out there in podcast world, 19, 13, and 7. Uh, they, they clip along like that here over the next uh, three weeks, and they're going to be a playoff team. Yeah. I still believe, though, Michael, that the Stars are going to have to win a game in overtime in Chicago to get in. That would be fun. I I was looking at the schedule myself and saying those two games are going to determine whether they get in or not. Yeah. And I'm back, I'm I'm all for back. that. Yep. If you can oh, get, if you all, can take you it down me? to the last game of the season, that's fun. I remember years ago, who was it the Islanders that got in in a shootout? And they had like their third string goalie win it for them. Like it was crazy. Yep. But on the 9th and 10th, they'll be at the UC with probably playoff implications on the line, as we say. <laughs> uh, here's, here's the uh, Panglossian view to finish things off uh, today, sort of, unless you're going to interject again, Mike, which you're always welcome to do. But we've been going for a while, have we not, Totsi? We have. How long? About 46 minutes. Oh, yeah, wow. we got to close. We gotta close it's about wrap-up time. Yep. Uh, very quickly, uh, not to be too statty, but I think this is worth getting in. It's Panglossian. At the same time, it's a bit of a caveat. Two enormous words out of the Razor Boy late in the podcast today. So overly optimistic, but hold on, right? little caveat in there. Uh, not going to be a total wet blanket, but uh, let's say I'm a, I'm a damp cloth here. How's that? So... Against the top three teams in the division, the Stars have gone four, nine, and five. Now, you could say a bunch of those games, they deserved a better fate than the nine and five parts, but they're four, nine, and five. Against their chief rival right now in this joust for a playoff spot, the Nashville Predators, they're three, oh, and four. So they haven't lost in regulation, but they have struggled past 60 minutes against the Predators. Against them Hawks, who we think it's going to matter when they go back-to-back, end of the season, 2-2-2, two, two, and two. the old 2-2-2, two, two, two. like Chuck Woolery. <laughs> now, here's the, here's the caveat. Because all the, the, the Stars, and they're going to play two more here against Detroit, they are 10-3-1 this season against Detroit and Columbus. So they, they have slapped them around in the season series. The rest of it has been what the rest of it I just stated is. And that's going to have to change a little bit here in the next three weeks because they're playing them clubs. I think the hope is they are a, a different team now. Well, they, that's what I wanted to – I'm glad you brought that up, Mike, because as much as it, it is, uh, you know, you know uh, trample the weak, hurdle the dead with Detroit and Columbus at 10-3-1 – with that, you you can build a little bit of confidence either in your in your overall game, in your offensive game, in some individual player's game, feeling better. I'm looking at you, Dennis Gurionov, mm-hmm. right? And then yeah. all the all of a sudden, all of a sudden, because it's become a little more habitual to score four goals and have lots of guys contribute and not take very many penalties and all this stuff, not give up much. We're skipping over the fact they don't give up anything defensively. Yeah. Uh, then you go into some of these games against the Carolinas and Tampa Bay and Nashville head-to-head, Florida again, and then those two against Chicago. 
And yeah, it, it could be like a B12 shot for them heading into that, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and the other thing is, is, is if you do get to the playoffs, this is a team that got plenty of playoff experience last year. And I really do believe in that. I believe that all that stuff comes rushing back and, and you are a better playoff team because you played 27 playoff games last year. Oh, definitely. It's a growth hormone for individuals. Yeah. Not all of them played nope. in that. And some guys this season, their numbers on the road have fallen off drastically as far as statistics. But uh, we'll see. Maybe they're, maybe they're a different crew in this have-to-win stretch here now. We're going to find out a lot about individuals and this group over the next few weeks. So it's back to wing-ding we go, right? Should uh, be fun. May I suggest a little companion viewing before we uh, sign off? Uh, Russian Five. It's a documentary on the five Russians that played for the Red Wings in the late 90s. Jim Lights getting Fedorov out of Russia at the Goodwill Games and Konstantinov in the limo accident that was awful and Fatisov, the surly Slava Kozlov, Larionov, all the Ovs. <laughs> and the violence and the bad fashion choices in this. I, I forgot Keith Gave spoke <laughs> Russian. <laughs> your your brethren i i forgot My buddy. that yeah. yeah that was a big key uh, a young young steve eiserman that rivalry with the abs anyway all you out there if you haven't seen it find it it's awesome you'll really enjoy it you've seen it right mike i've seen it a couple of times yeah of course it's detroit you just watched it's it detroit. for the you watched it for the uh, assembly line at the <laughs> ford factory just that's that that in the 1968 tigers uh, uh, documentary I've, I've seen that a lot of times dude totsy have you seen it no i haven't yet but all I've right well you're really going to be good. on the road for three weeks so there's your assignment and you can report back to us how's that it feels very fitting to watch it in in detroit on an off there day. you go i watched it just prior to four straight against the red wings i wanted to do the same thing i wanted some synergy i'll find it i wanted it to be apropos of nothing but also the four-game series. So good work, um, and enjoyed that. You'll enjoy it, too. I hope you enjoyed some of this edition of uh, RD. Uh, good stuff from you, Mike. Way to go, Totsi, putting this together. I know you want to go eat, probably. Thanks, gentlemen. We'll get out of here. If we had the money, we'd sign off with KISS, Detroit Rock City, would we not? Wouldn't that play us out? Do we have that kind of cash, JT? We don't have it yet. The Dunkin' Donuts sponsorship has not covered KISS copyright yet, but I'm working on it. Mike, give me the backbeat, and I'll get us out of here. Get up. Everybody got to move their feet. Get down. Everybody got to leave their seat. You got to lose your mind, but not to the games to the Detroit Red Wings this week. In Detroit, Rock City, good night. We love you all. Good night, Cleveland. <laughs>